you really have to have a convenience factor for living at your community versus buying a house. Otherwise, why would you live in the community versus buying a house? And that's why I'm not a fan of development. Before we get into today's episode, I want to offer you a free service and a free gift. Yes, a free gift. You're a loyal best ever listener. You deserve free gifts. And it's from our best ever partner, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. So are you a landlord or investor who's self-managing? Well, if you're self-managing, is that the best way to scale your business? And are you fulfilled by self-managing? Or would you rather be doing other stuff with your time? Like, I don't know, scaling your business, scaling your portfolio, making more money, bringing more rentals, rental income coming in because you're acquiring more properties. If you want to scale, if you're not getting fulfilled by self-managing, then here comes a free service. Here comes a free gift. Linda Libatory, you know her, episode 714. I interviewed her about her best ever advice. Talked to her about her company, which is the solution to your problem, Secure Pay One, the landlord helper. They handle the phone calls. They handle the rent collections. They handle late payment reminders. They handle the lease violation notices. Everything from the text messages, reminders, all the way to collecting the ACH payments. Linda's team will help you scale your business. Whether you've got 500 units or even a handful of units, go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. They're going to give you a free 30-minute goal strategy session. They'll give you free setup. And the first 30 days free, mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Again, if you are self-managing and you're not fulfilled by self-managing and you agree that there's a better way to scale your business, scale your investments, then go to mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Take Linda and her team up on their generous offer of giving you a trial and a strategy session to see if it's right for you mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. We're doing follow along Friday today. Happy Friday, Theo. Happy Friday to you too, Joe. Yeah. and Happy Thursday, technically. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I guess technically it's Thursday. But... When it releases on the podcast, it will be Friday, so we can pretend. We've got a lot going on today, and we have a really educational episode based on our experiences today. And normally, this show is all about interviewing guests, but on Fridays, we talk about our entrepreneurial endeavors, and we got a lot going on. We got a lot going on. You're closing. I'm closing in exactly... Two hours and four minutes. You're closing in two hours and four minutes. We're going to talk about that. We've got a question on investing in mobile home parks and the differences with that and apartment investing. That was a question from someone last follow-along Friday, so we promised we'd answer it. And then I just came back from Dallas on a trip looking at the property we're purchasing and doing secret shopping, shopping the sales comps, or the rent comps, rather. So we'll be talking about that. So how do we want to kick it off? Well, do you want to talk about your updates first and we can transition into mine? You're the one closing in two hours and three minutes now. What's going on with that? We're we're closing this update, this fresher three, four-unit properties in total purchase price. Total purchase price is $660,000, yeah. 
So I was at the bank earlier today wiring it over that money, so that was fun. If you're going to go to Marcel's office to do the clothes the seller was doing remotely, your girlfriend, my girlfriend, we didn't know if we would be closing today. I didn't know we were closing today or tomorrow until about 10.30 last night for, again, as I've been saying multiple times with this podcast, mostly for seller side related reasons. But no, we're, we're officially scheduled to close. We're excited. And we've got our ready to do our plan and see how it goes. And I think you told us last week you got into all the units. We've seen all the units. Finally. We've seen all the units. And actually, it was interesting because the one unit we didn't see was the nicest unit there was. And it was beautiful. They redid the hardwood floors because all the, the units have hardwood floors. Some of them are kind of beat up. And then some of the carpet, we know there's hardwood underneath them. And I was like, oh, I wonder what it's going to look like when it's redone. And mm-hmm. one of the units, the floors were redone. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. this is going to look really good if we redo these floors. And it also had the original wood paneling in the kitchen, which is kind of old school. But when I'd originally seen it, I was like, oh, this is horrible. We're going to paint over this. But I don't know why. It was the contrast between the paneling and the floors just made the room look bigger and it just made it look a lot more nicer. So mm-hmm. we're going to keep that. And But yeah, we saw the units. We're get all the keys. I'm really looking forward to it. It's exciting. One thing that I've done since the last time we talked is I've read a John Grisham book called The Whisperer. And at the end of the book, there's the lead-in to the next book that he's written. It's Genius Marketing Play. And that book is, I think, Canary Island or Camaro Island, something like that. Mm-hmm. And in the first part of it, they do a heist. And this is bear with me. This is relevant to what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> they do a heist. They still Scott Fitzgerald's the author of The Great Gatsby, okay. the original manuscript from Princeton University. And some of the members of the crew who stole it are sophisticated. And what John Grissom writes about with these characters is that a lot of people think about the plan to commit the crime, in this case. I'm going to liken this to your real estate transaction. (laughs) But not a lot of the criminals, and one of the criminals in the gang, he escaped out of prison. Not a lot of them think about what do they do afterwards. And they're talking about how one of the gang members and the people who stole this stuff escaped out of prison, but he had a plan for what to do afterwards. Mm -hmm. And as real estate investors, that can be the case with us too, where we focus so much on the acquisition, and then it's like, okay, now what? And we don't put as much focus on, okay, now what do we do now that we have it? So my question to you with that long lead-in is... You're closing in two hours and two minutes. What do you do immediately after? So the next steps is I've got a little note that I've typed up that we're going to tape on all the residence doors to essentially just notify them that I'm the new property manager. Again, we talk about that. I'm not the owner. You? Me. I'm the property manager for the owner, Marcella. (laughs) With your phone number, your email? So it'll be be my phone number. It'll be my email because we set up things things to your podcast. You interviewed the... Founders of Cozy, I think is what it's called, Cozy.co. And so we're going to use that as our portal, essentially, and instruct them on how the rent is going to be collected. So that'll be through email. We're kind of concerned just because some of the residents are on the older end, but they might have have an email, and so we'll have an option. We're not sure how we'll we'll do it exactly because we don't want to give them a second option that everyone just takes that option instead of doing the email, and so I'm going to figure out how to word that. But yeah, just essentially just, just lining up how the rent's going to work. And then also our plan for increasing the rents, since all the units are month to month and they're all way below market rent, we're going to explain how that process is going to oh. work. Um, <laughs> On the initial, initial yeah, message, yeah. We're, you're coming, gonna, we're coming in hot. Oh my God. <laughs> what are you going to say? Well, we're going to say that 
depending on which building. So we're gonna do one in one month, and the second one in the third month, and then the next one like the fifth. Are month. they next so to each other? Scattered. Oh yeah, they're all they're all right next to each other. So one building, the people there are gonna be talking to other people in the buildings. You realize that? I don't. They will. One thousand percent. So they're gonna know. Yeah. Well, you're not you're not you're not isolating one building by messaging. Yeah. They'll all know. I plan on telling all of them that we plan on raising their rents, so they're all gonna know. It's just I'm not gonna do them all at the exact same time. So I guess if you think there's a potential for there to be mass exodus, then I'll probably not do that. Well, I don't know about mass exodus, but I know they'll all know. Yeah. One message to one building. Just assume that all three buildings will receive the same message and yeah. in distorted form. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be the message that you convey. It will be something more sensationalized. <laughs> Seriously. Well, the plan as of now is to start with, because actually one of the buildings has a vacant unit, so we'll go in there and take pictures of that and then list it online. But the goal is to start with that building, raise the rent on that building, and then do it in the second building, and do it in the third building. But I want to let everyone know up front that it's going to be coming so they can be repaired. So they want to leave, they can leave. Mm-hmm. Because we just don't have, a, have an issue with them leaving because we have enough to cover the mortgages regardless. And our goal is to just break even the first year while we're kind of transitioning people out and then start cash flowing afterwards. And so our expectations are breaking even this year. So we make, if we make a little bit of money, great. But if we don't, which is what we expect, then we'll be perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. So I guess in a nonlinear fashion, that's my plan <laughs> yeah. for now. And then there's a lot of the smaller things that we're going to do too, like you know, buy certain things for landscaping. And some of the people are storing stuff in the basement, so we're going to tell them the note that they can't do that. So a lot of small things you wouldn't necessarily think about. Basically, whenever I went there, the viewing, I took notes of what I needed to say to these people based off of the unit, based off of the building. And that's what we're going to put in the note. The only thing I'm worried about is, again, getting everyone's email for Cozy mm-hmm. and making sure that we can collect rents that way. Just because I was just doing some research, and as far as I can tell, if you want to have a direct deposit set up, you have to give them your account information and your routing number. And I'm not sure if I'm comfortable doing that. Mm, your account? Well, it should be a... You have the, an LLC. The, the business account, yeah. Yeah, you have an LLC, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they don't have an email, they might not have a checking account, too. That's the other thing. Yeah. You might have to work around that. The backup plan, because my friend owns a similar property in Pleasant Ridge, and as new tenants come in, he uses Cozy, but for the existing tenants, he has them slip a check under... I'm not sure exactly where he hasn't put the checks, but I know that in one of the buildings, there's like a storage in the basement that I can use for storage, you know, storing lawnmowers and stuff. So I'll have them put people that cannot pay via They'll have to reach out Cozy. to you. They'll have to reach out and we'll, we'll just yeah. set up something for the time yeah. being. But the plan is for most of the tenants to be gone and put new ones in there. So hopefully and when we get the new ones, they have checking accounts. Just because the rents are so low, I don't know if people are going to be willing to... So just to so be clear, more. though, it's not necessarily the people who are there. It's the rents that are currently being paid. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's not necessarily you don't have anything against the people. Oh no, they're all not. Okay, okay. I've seen all of them. They're all against people. Okay, okay. all right. I just want to be, I want to make sure that's coming across correctly. Yeah. So it's not necessarily <laughs> the people. It's just you need to raise the rents. Therefore, it's likely they're not going to be staying. You don't think, but we don't know based yeah. on what the rents will be raised. This is all speculation, but I mean, some of the rents are so low they're going to be raised by like one hundred and fifty dollars. They've been there since like 2003. I don't know why a guy didn't raise their rent before. Yeah. But yeah, I looked, I looked at the comps and the base off of the only units that have one-year leases, because of those rents, which I still think are below market rent, we can get a lot more for those units. Got it. Got so it. Again, if everyone leaves, 
I think overall the mortgages are $3,600 a month for all three properties total. Total. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, the bank made sure that we can cover that right. with our salaries, but worst case scenario, we'll be able to cover that, and it'll I mean, obviously it would suck. The, the plan is to not have everyone leave. The plan is to have the people that are close to market rents take that fifty to one hundred dollar bump, and then the ones that are like two hundred dollars below market rents, I'm assuming they're going to leave. It'd be awesome if they paid the increase in rent because I wanted to worry about cleaning it up or anything like that. But mm-hmm. Got it. so that's the plan for now. But obviously, it's going to change. And are you doing anything to enhance? It's okay if you're not, but I'm just asking. Anything to enhance the living experience for current residents? So yes and no. So the only quote-unquote renovation we plan on doing is in the common areas in one of the buildings, the carpet isn't replaced. It's really old, and so we're going to have to replace that. I guess guess something that might enhance the experience of some of the people that are living in some of the units is that there's a couple of units that people are for sure 100% smoking in there. Because mm. I mean, the entire common area smells like smoke, and the lease it says explicitly you cannot smoke. And then when I went to look at the units, we walk into one of them. Some dude's just sitting on the couch with a cigarette lit, just like smoking, talking <laughs> to us. And it's like, all right, well, obviously you can't do that. And so we're gonna have a very strictly enforced the no smoking policy. And if they smoke, Marcellus wants to evict them just drug up. Yeah. But I'm gonna say just tell them they can't smoke anymore, and then they well, break the rules. They will. Then I know. Then yeah. then we can evict them. But I just want to give them the benefit of the doubt. So I'm not just kicking people out of whim, but we're also going to do landscaping. Got it. Okay. I would highlight that you plan on doing some improvements within the buildings and then working on the landscaping too. Yeah. In that note that you write. That way it's not a complete punch in the gut. It's more, (laughs) this is what we're doing. And because we're enhancing the landscaping and just the normal cost of doing business, we will have to increase, but... Would love for you to stay, but this is what it's going to be. That's a really good idea. I definitely don't want to just word it with, hey, we're taking one of the properties mm-hmm. and we're going to raise the rents because of reasons. Like, that's a very good point. Just say what, we're, what we plan on doing to the property to enhance their experience and then also explain the fact that, hey, market rents are increasing, so we're going to go ahead and bump these rents up. And you think I mentioned that they're actually not going to be at full market rent right yeah. away? Yeah. Just to like, like hey, oh, I'm, not, I'm not completely, I'm not jacking them up for no reason. And I'm actually yeah. kind of giving you the benefit of not increasing it all the way because you've been there for so long. And, and, and one like other that. thing you can do is you can mention the average cost of moving because storage, truck, deposit for your new place, taking things from one place to another, all sorts of costs. And then yeah. if that's $1,000, then does it make more sense to pay $100 extra, which is $1,200 over the course of the year versus $1,000 right now, mm-hmm. and then be in another place that might be in a similar situation. Yeah, and, and probably paying the similar or higher rents, too. That's a really good idea. I didn't even think about that, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. about mentioning why I'm raising the rents besides just me wanting to do that or just because the market says so, because they're not really going to understand that. Yeah, think about it from their perspective, for yeah. sure. Cool. All right, let's see. Went to DFW, visited the property we're purchasing, and visited the rent comps. Was involved in a hit and run at one of the rent comps, I was there. You were? Yeah, they hit me and they ran. Was it your car or a... I had a rental car. Rental <laughs> you didn't tell car. this. No, I didn't tell you about this yet. Yeah, I, was, I just visited one of the rent comps and was not impressed at all. And I was in the parking lot of the rent comp on my laptop taking notes and I was literally writing 
this was very unimpressive. Right before I fixed unimpressive, my car jolts. I'm like, what the heck's going on? I look behind me and there's a gentleman in a four-door white vehicle and he looks at me. I look at him. I'm like, well, what's going on? So I'm like moving my laptop off my lap and I look at him just backing up slowly, backing up slowly. Okay, I guess he's parking over there. Zoom! <laughs> just takes off. But it was indicative of the experience I had Seriously. at one of the rent comps. And guess what? This rent comp is $200 more in rent than what we are currently charging and less in rent than what we are projecting to charge. And the reason why it was a terrible experience, and I'm glad it was because that helps us if they're charging more, is as soon as I got in the leasing office, the leasing agent was fine. The staff was fine. But the walk from the leasing office to the model unit you have to pass by three pit bulls. And again, I'm not against pit bulls. If they're well-trained, just like any dog, you get bit by more smaller dogs and larger dogs. Just the larger dogs hurt and they get the news. But nonetheless, they're intimidating. And especially when they're attempting to climb over the fence to eat you. <laughs> and that's what they were doing. And you have everyone who's looking at this apartment community, you have to literally walk by three pit bulls and... It's not a fence with boards that cover up the dogs. There's like slots in between, like little iron bars, and they're right there. And they're probably three arms lengths away from you. So it's really tight quarters. And plus there's like pounds of poop. It was terrible because it smelled so bad. It's 100 degrees in Texas. And after you pass the three pit bulls that try and eat your face off, Then you go into the model unit where there's a toilet seat that's missing. They have a little backyard area. The grass is up high. There's a bag of trash in the backyard area. And the level of renovations aren't nearly what we're going to do. And it was a great sign. It's an amazing sign. It's an amazing sign. If they're charging $200 more than what we are right now, and we're projecting to be underneath them, I think we're in a good spot. So I went there and I went to our other rent comps and toured. There is one rent comp very close to us that is doing the same level of renovations that we're planning on doing. And they're getting a little bit more than what we're planning on getting. So I anticipate us being about third in terms of total rent cost in the market, which is great. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be first. Second, okay, maybe. But third is best. This first pit bull. Yeah, yeah. That's strange. It is strange. And by the way, after the pit bull place, I asked where the pool was. They're like, oh, it's right outside. I was like, okay. I go outside. It's literally gate pit bulls. And they're literally like chomping at your arm. I didn't even go in the pool area because I was afraid of them. And again, I'm not against pit bulls or Rottweiler. I had a Rottweiler in college, two of them in college. Mm-hmm. Sweetest dogs ever. These were very protective. And it's not a good sign. So that's that. One thing that I did hear regarding the pit bull thing was this owner intentionally allows aggressive breed dogs because no other mm-hmm. apartment community in the submarket, or not that many have them. Interesting. Therefore, he's able to bring people in who, who haven't. I have mixed feelings about that. That was the trip. Went well. Visited the property multiple days. Visited the rent comps. Everything checked out. You don't want anything to surprise you on those trips. And what I do is I focus on stuff that I can't Google or accomplish with a phone call. I can see maybe pictures of the renovations that the comps are doing, but I want to go see it myself and experience it myself, and that's what I did. 
And then, other than that, we have just been focused on starting due diligence. One lesson I learned from the tour of the property we're buying is I was talking to the property manager and he said that our property is 70% or so one bedrooms. Okay. And usually that's, in my mind, a downside. But he said where rents are at, two bedrooms, if you can qualify for a two bedroom, then you're also looking at buying a house. Whereas the one bedroom rents are at a place where you're not at the level of a mortgage for a house okay. and it's right in the sweet spot. Plus the resident profile that we're in within our submarket is primarily singles, 25 to 40, single mom, single dads, that sort of thing. So it works out pretty well. So yeah, that was the trip. It makes it pretty simple, but how do you determine that demographic? Like the single mom, single dad, uh, 25 to 40? Is it just based off of like market research? Here's the main demographic here. Is it based off of your kind of secret shopping and asking who lives it's, there? It's just based off of knowing the area. I bet you could tell me who the typical person who lives in your neighborhood. What's their background? How old are they? Do they have kids or not? I can tell you the same thing about my neighborhood, and I can tell you the same thing about all of our properties neighborhoods. Yeah, we look at data, but... You gotta get a feeling for it walking around. And yeah, you, you just you know your area. We have a property that is a mile and a half away. It's 90% one bedrooms, and it's over 300 units, and we're 96% occupied. Mm-hmm. And we're doing incredibly well. And so that's an indicating factor of the demand for one bedrooms. And then we also have three other properties, not including the one we're buying within this area, and all of them have some one bedrooms, just not that heavy, and the one bedrooms lease really well. Cool. That's an interesting point about the two-bedroom being someone who can potentially qualify for a loan of their own personal residence, whereas the one bedroom, they're probably not there yet, and so it's like they need to rent a property, where here's like, I might rent, I might buy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. I didn't think about that. For developers, that's what you have to be careful about because you're building stuff brand new, therefore you're gonna have to charge more, and the rents that you're charging, you really have to have a convenience factor for living at your community versus buying a house. Otherwise, why would you live in the community versus buying a house? And that's why I'm not a fan of development. Some people have tried to talk to me about doing development, and I did a test run three years ago or something. We didn't even get it under contract, but I spent nine months of my life (laughs) trying to learn the process and man, it's just risk versus reward I'm not a fan of but hey people make bunches of money on it yeah. but they also could lose bunches of money as with anything I guess yeah. but just more risk I, I don't like it okay so those are updates doing a transition into talking about the difference between yeah you want to read the question was there a question uh, Yes, it was based off our video last week. It was Zach. His name is Zach. And he wanted your opinion on mobile park investing versus apartment investing. Oh, she's wanted your opinion on it. So we kind of wanted to make it more of an educational. And yeah. So it's going to be the pros and cons of mobile park investing as compared to apartment investing. Mobile home park investing, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's see. You can make money in any type of real estate investing. Because I know that I've interviewed people who have made it in distressed notes, apartment, mobile homes, office, retail, anything. Parking lots. Interviewed that one guy with yeah. parking lots. That was fascinating. So really, it's not a matter of, and I know you didn't ask this specifically, but I just want to set the stage. It's not a matter of can you make money in it. It's a matter of do you want to be in this business? 
so that's really the question because someone has made millions and perhaps billions of dollars in every single type of real estate asset class. So that's the first question. Do you want to make money in this business versus other types of business? And I personally have not gotten into mobile home parks. The reason why is because I wasn't as familiar with them as I was apartments. When my parents divorced when I was in fifth grade, I lived in an apartment with my mom, my brother, and my sister. And then when I moved to New York City, I lived in an apartment for 10 years. So I was more familiar with apartments. I've never lived in a mobile home. Therefore, it just comes more naturally yeah. for, to me to invest in something that I know. When I went to a Rich Dad Poor Dad seminar, when I had the aha moment of going larger, they said that you're never going to get rich on single families. You need to do something larger like mobile homes or apartments. They said this in, I don't know, 2006 or seven. Right. So they were on it. They knew what they were talking about. And that's when I've, I decided to focus more on apartments. Actually, no, that wasn't 2000. That was like 2010 because I already had one house I bought in 2009. So now as objectively as I can look at it, I will tell you the pros and cons as I see them. And then I'm going to give you some resources to listen to experts and read more content on it. Mm -hmm. Because I am not an expert on mobile home and park investing because I've never bought a mobile home park. I've never lived in a mobile home and I have never analyzed a deal. But I have interviewed guests who have experience. A couple of my buddies do very well in the business. So three pros, and there are more pros and there are more cons, but here are the three I came up with. Pro is low competition among other investors. Not that many people are investing in mobile homes, and there's a reason why, and I'll get to that on the con side, but not that many people are investing in mobile homes or manufactured homes. Therefore, there's less investors chasing mm -hmm. those deals, and it's likely that you're going to come across less amount of people. Now, you might come across the same investors on every deal that you're competing against, but there's going to be less of them. Two is they cash flow really well if they're operating successfully. I think you can say that about a triple net lease for sure and some other types of asset classes. But that's the second thing from what I've heard, not firsthand experience, from what I've heard, they're cash cows. And three... And this is key, they're a favorable asset class in an economic downturn. Yeah, kind of like how a little bit too. Well, kind of like what? Like storage units? Yeah, exactly. You go from a house, you get evicted from a house, you go to a nice apartment, you can't afford the rent in a nice apartment, you go to from a class A to a class B to a class C. Mm -hmm. And before you go to a Class D apartment, you're going to be considered a mobile home. <laughs> I would prefer to live in a mobile home versus a Class D apartment. And after mobile homes, you're hitting the street or you're doing extended stay living at a motel mm -hmm. or something. So it is the last line of defense for living situations. And I believe in an economic downturn, all the mobile home investors are throwing a party. Yeah. But I just have a fourth one. I wonder how the maintenance compares to apartments or single-family homes. I could imagine that the person who occupies a mobile home is taking care of everything. 
I can remember from listening to one of those interviews them saying something along those lines of, you know, once they sign the lease, it's kind of a, it's not necessary to set it and forget it, but you don't have as much going on as you do with a larger property. Like, I'm not sure how the plumbing works or how any of that works, but I can imagine it being a little bit lower maintenance costs for the investor than an apartment. That's just a thought. Yeah, the goal for all my mobile home park investor friends, the goal is to have the resident buy their mobile home. Mm, okay. That way you're owning the lot and they're leasing the lot from you. Huh. I remember that. That way it's getting closer to a triple net lease. Okay. I wouldn't say it is that by any means because of the one of the cons I'm about to mention. But yes, agreed. That would be in the pro section. The cons, well, you have lower competition, so that's good. But then the reason why you have lower competition is there's limited supply and it's decreasing. You name five cities that have a meeting on how to increase the amount of mobile homes, parks in their city, and I'll give you a hundred bucks. You can't name five cities that are intentionally looking to increase the amount of mobile homes they have. They might be looking for affordable housing, maybe apartment communities or something, but I don't think you'll find that. So limited supply, therefore they're tough to find. Mm -hmm. Second is that the collections are going to be very challenging because the resident profile, just in general, resident profile is paycheck to paycheck. If they get a flat tire and they have to call someone to help them out or pay for a tire, I mean, just paying for a tire could be 50 bucks or I don't know, 100 bucks, whatever they are, that might not allow them to pay the Mm -hmm. rent for that month. So they're living paycheck to paycheck. So collections are going to be tough. And I don't think you get the same tax advantages with investing in a apartment community that you would compared to mobile homes. I think they're treated differently. I tried to call my accountant right before, and I didn't get a hold of him. I just missed the call, so I think he called me back. But I'm pretty sure you don't get the depreciation passed through that you would on an apartment community. So those are the three. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this kind of goes number one, limited supply. You kind of said this, but they don't build mobile home parks anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, it's like, that's the reason why it's, it's not increasing. They, they just don't build them anymore. So I know some of the mobile home and park investors were using that as a pro and saying that the supply is never going to change. And so the only thing that can change is the demand. And the guy that I was talking to that works in his favor and that you're only kind of, you're all competing for a limited supply of mobile home parks. And so... They're not making any more mobile home parks. You know, if you if you make more apartments, and typically the demand will go down. But if you don't, then the demand will stay the same for the mobile parks. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of how he explained it to me. I'm like, oh, I guess that makes sense. They're not, they're not building any. And that's kind of one of the main reasons why. I think it was. I don't know why. I, I always forget his name. Kevin Bupp. He was talking. He, oh yeah. I think he he mentioned that when he was presenting at the best ever conference mm-hmm. about the supply is staying the same or is actually decreasing. So that helps with the, the demand and the rents and, and things like that. Yep. Yep, so on that note, in terms of people in episodes recommend checking out, one is Jefferson Lilly. I interviewed him, episode 161, way back. Yeah, one, that was PT, pre-Theo, episode 161, titled How to Double the Value of a Mobile Home Park. And then another episode with Frank Rolf, episode 956, titled He Traded Billboards for Mobile Homes. Mm. And these two episodes will be linked in the show notes. And lastly, we'll link to an article Frank Rolf wrote after he did the interview with us. 
and it's Mobile Home Park's best real estate investment in the U.S. right now. Clearly, his is one side of the story. <laughs> There's cons to everything. It doesn't address the cons, but if you want to see more pros about investing, then there's that article that you can check out. And these will all be linked in the show notes. Perfect. Cool. All right, so we had a listener question from Sam that will um, ask and answer here quickly. So the question is, in your syndications, do you have passive investors invest directly as limited partners of the holding LLC? Or are they investing as members of an LLC that is in turn investing in the holding LLC? They have ownership shares in the LLC which owns the property and then we do have another layer of protection above and beyond that we have a limited partnership above and beyond that but the LLC the entity that they're investing in they have ownership shares in that and that's the okay. entity that owns the property okay so you've got a entity that owns a property and they own shares in that entity and that's yeah. how they're investing okay and i just want to clarify and they are limited partners the way our attorneys have structured it is they have zero liability zero other than they do risk the money they put into the deal obviously that's always going to be at risk but other than the funds they put into the deal they have no liability. Someone trips, falls, dies, or drowns, or whatever, sues us because it's a cloudy day and they thought it would always be sunshiny over the property, then they have no liability. It would go to the insurance. And But if anyone's liable, it's the general partnership. Okay. And I think this second question goes to what you were mentioning beforehand, but he says, likewise, is your asset management LLC a direct managing member of the holding LLC, or is there a layer in between? It is a direct managing member. The asset management LLC that we have, it's different for every property because that isolates every property so that there's no domino effect. Every investment is unique, and our LLC is the general partner within the larger LLC. So is there an asset LLC and a holding LLC for each property, or is a holding LLC over all the different asset LLCs for each individual property? There is one LLC. There's an LP. We really need the diagram. Here. I know we need to yeah, so make a diagram yeah, here. Diagram. Whiteboard. <laughs> yeah. There's. There's. And maybe we'll do that sometime. But there's a limited partnership, and then there's a LLC that owns a property. Investors have shares in that LLC, and then we, the general partners, have our LLC that is in the general partnership, and that's where the asset management is. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And, and is that like your Ashcroft Capital? Is that what that is? The asset management LLC? Or is that it's unique to the property because everything needs to be unique to that property. Okay, so you have multiple LLCs for each individual property. You buy another one, you, get, you have another holding LLC, another asset management LLC. Yeah. Okay. Because it's important that every investment stands alone and they're not connected together. Otherwise, if Armageddon happens, they're all connected. Yeah. Okay. So there's the answer to your question, Sam. So just a couple of miscellaneous things to end with. We got our basketball results. No one guessed correctly this week. No, 13 to 8, Theo won. So congrats, Theo. I'm kind of pissed. <laughs> my moves haven't been... Whatever. I'm working on my threes. I think that's where to go, where I need to go. Okay. If anybody has any tips for how Joe can be... No, I, I don't... <laughs> a taller? Yeah, tall, a tall player. Yeah, if anyone has any tips on how to grow taller, then please let me know. Yeah, But you wouldn't beat Muggsy Bogues. No, no. So clearly there's some things. It's not about being tall. It's about 
figuring out the other ways around it. Although Muggsy can slam and I can't, yeah, can't slam. dunk. Yeah, I can't dunk. Yeah, that's true. But I can't really dunk either. But yeah. anyways, okay. So and as always, subscribe on iTunes to the podcast and leave a review so you can be the feature review of the fall on Friday uh, this week. The review of the week is from Jerry, and he said very good information. I took away a star because the background music is very distracting, which makes the audio poor and is not used appropriately. It is just random and makes it difficult to hear what the speakers are saying. So Good to know. I'll look into it. I, I wish I knew which episode he's referring to, and perhaps it's all of them, but... I think I know what he's referring to. I think in some of the episodes, you've got like the, the introduction music mm-hmm. where you have it playing when you're talking, but in some of the episodes, it goes longer when you say, you know, can you give the best of your listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused yeah, on? Still don't. It still goes in, in uh, some of the episodes, and that's pra- and it's very difficult to hear what the person is saying. It. We'll get that addressed. I think that's what it is. Yeah. That, that's why we do this, baby. A focus group. I love this. So mm-hmm. thank you, Jerry. Really appreciate it. I'll take your four out of five stars, and <laughs> I will implement this feedback so that future episodes are even better always looking to improve sincerely appreciate it all right enjoyed it everyone best ever listeners i hope you have a best ever weekend and we'll talk to you tomorrow are you an investor who self-manages talks to your residents collects checks and handles all the day-to-day tasks well there's a better way best ever listener and guess what that better way is secure pay one secure pay one the landlord helper will have conversations over the phone with your residents whenever there's an issue and the residents can pay you directly. So schedule your free trial and 30-minute session today at mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. That's mylandlordhelper.com forward slash Joe. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, Make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com.